This week's podcast, I'm Alistair Wilcox, CSRO, joined by my uh, friend and partner in crime, the founder and CEO of Revenue.io, Howard Brown, pioneer recognized authority in AI revenue science. Howard, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you and Brian. Yes, we are thrilled to have you back. Brian Moran, the co-founder and chief strategy officer at Sandcart, a pioneering and fast-growing B2C company. Brian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me back. Indeed. I will dive right in, Brian. Yeah, we had a really good conversation with you last time around this notion of shared trust and sharing the insights of the world of e-commerce and B2C sales and what that is doing and how you are sharing all of the rich data to thousands, tens of thousands of customers worldwide that is improving their ability to connect with consumers. And I love it. But we also said there, look, the, the world has shifted a lot in this last 12 months, right? Like it's, as people have heard me say before on this podcast, finally, after a decade of being around AI, I can actually say the word AI and people actually know what I mean outside of people like yourself and Howard that, that I meet with regularly. So you have this notion of artificial intelligence that is now front and center. It is commercializing well because for the first time ever, an average person, a student, teachers, people buying things, people trying to book trips and holidays, they're working with generative AI technologies and going, hey, this is cool. This has been integrated into their life. <laughs> I would love to today, based on that change, get your perspective on how are you seeing AI fundamentally shift what Sandcard is doing and really the broader market, where do you predict it's going to end up towards the end of this year with these this kind of technological impact. Yeah, it's tough to predict with how fast it's moving right now. I'm not as deep into it as I would like to be, but we've done a, a lot of work there. And I think we have a lot left to do internally at SamCard. I think, especially with the amount of data that we are sitting on, 25,000 businesses using SamCard to, to sell their products and services online, that we should be using AI to, to dig through that data and become even better at what one of our kind of strengths is, which is reporting back to the marketplace what's working. Right now, we still do most of that manual. But how I've seen it change our market or how our customers are using it, we put our customers into two buckets. We have a bunch kind of in the beginning stages of the entrepreneurial journey. They have a brand new product. They just got launched in the last year or so. They're not making a whole lot of revenue yet. Some of them aren't making any revenue yet. Those folks struggle. They should all be listening to podcasts like this. They, the main thing that holds them back is they don't know how to sell. They pour blood, sweat, and tears into a product. And this is the same boat that I was in for the first 18 months of my entrepreneurial journey. I just thought, hey, if I show a picture of the product, someone will give me money for it. They didn't understand I have to persuade them, speak their language, tell a good story to get them to buy. And what has been wild to see is how good tools like ChatGPT can be at creating a sales pitch, at helping me understand how to communicate to my customer, how to grab their attention, how to build trust, convey the value of my product. So we've done a lot of work. And luckily, there's a whole world of influencers in the AI space that are doing work 24-7 that our customers are finding to give them a shortcut to becoming a much better salesperson marketer of their product than they were in the past. Yep. 
12 years ago when I got started. That's why it took me 18 months because I, one, didn't realize that was a skill I needed. And by the time I realized it, it took me another couple months to find somebody to learn from. If I could have jumped into OpenAI and say, hey, give me a, you know, give me a quick and dirty Ada framework sales pitch for this product, I would have probably made my first sale in the first week or two. So it's been a huge asset for the beginners who need to learn specific skills like that. And for our more advanced sellers, folks doing six, seven, eight, nine figures a year on the the sales side, it gives them a ton of advantages that we never used to have. Instead of needing a team of copywriters or marketers, you can get a lot of those things done with one person and use OpenAI to just give you more variations of certain marketing emails or sales pitches or Facebook ad headlines. Like it just, it's a great way to iterate on proven copy that you have. I don't think it's there quite yet to just let just chat GPT run all of your copy, write all of your content without human intervention. But if I could hope for a feature, I guess that's where I would hope for. My copywriter friends probably wouldn't enjoy that feature as much, but someone who's dealt with the pains of finding the right people to do things like create content or script ads and pitches and emails, it would be wild. It'll be a wild world if it gets to the point where with very little human intervention, you can craft content that really moves the needle for the business. And Howard, I, uh, I don't know if you have thoughts on the content side of it, but while you just think on that, I would just share, Brian, I think you really bang on in terms of where we'll go. And I would give an a an example of the transparency of how AI can help. Facebook at the end of last year in, in around Q3, Q4, closer to the Q4 side, they changed how they shared scoring and signaling off of their algorithmic models that they use in advertising. And to your point of shared information, that was a big step forward. And what they did was they started to look at things like what individuals, not just groups and mass cohorts, but what individuals are liking in terms of carousel images, links, likes, things like that. They were looking at who you interact with frequently. They were looking at popularity techniques. Like they were looking at all of these now additional micro metrics as opposed to the broad ones they were doing before. And that changed the advertising performance, I believe. Please fact check me on this audience. I think it gave an uptick of about 30 to 40% improvement on targeted advertising at Facebook. It was a huge jump up. And they've shared it all with everybody. They've gone out to the market and said, here are the signals, here's the scores, here's what it is. And they're AI-driven and their algorithm approaches there. And look, Facebook, whether and, and by Facebook Meta, is arguably one of the best-run companies in the entire technology sector. They did more to reduce operating costs than any of the big FANG companies last year. F-A-N-G is like Facebook, Alphabet, so forth. Netflix, Google, they reduced operating costs more and had the biggest revenue gains and advertising gains out of anybody in the sector. So this idea of actually now using AI and actually commoditizing signaling, commoditizing scoring, like the things that are considered secret sauce in these companies, they're sharing. And when I think of content, I think of how to sell, I think of all of those things. Howard, are we headed into a mass opening up of secret sauce here because that is actually going to do more to drive engagement and better results than than all these closed door approaches that have been the AI models of the past. Yeah, there's a lot there to unpack. But what I will say is 
as we study communication, we study how people connect, we study what is working. And what Brian has said three times, at least that I'm aware of during the last two conversations is what is working. That's what they share. And that is where I see the huge benefit of AI is there are so many data points in communications, conversations, in e-commerce, in any sort of human-to-computer, human-to-human interaction. And what people really want to know is what is working and the compute power and the intelligence that you're able to augment through artificial intelligence as to what is working because it is what is amazing about AI is it can study massive data sets and tell you what is working and what's not working. So Brian, when you talk about your tens of thousands of customers and all of these transactions, I get so excited because that's what we study, what's working and what's not working. Same thing that you, it sounds like you're on track to do so well. Content is working and not working is absolutely exciting. And the ability to draft content, the ability to augment human intelligence and help people determine what's working so that they don't have to do all of that work. So that is presented to them so that they can quickly make changes. That's what I get really excited about. And like I said, you said what is working at least three times in our conversation. And that's what people want to know. Yeah, a hundred percent. And again, being honest, like I was before, we've hardly even scratched the surface on this at Samcar, and I hope it becomes a huge part of our focus here soon. We've played around with all these AI tools, but we don't have a team working on this right now. And I think we need to because I think this is where it's going. Like my guess is, a lot of businesses or a lot of different kind of industries that whoever is late to jump on this bandwagon is just going to get left in the dust. That if tomorrow our top competitor had what I just said, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Because I know having grown up in this market, if I was seven, eight figure business using SamCard or Shopify or whoever, and a competitor said, hey, come over here. Our platform will not only give you all the basic e-commerce abilities and the ability to make sales, track sales, split test different things, all the things that we stand for, but our system will tell you which one to do based on the data we know about you and all of our other users, I personally would switch. I, I, I would switch almost instantly because of the shortcut that would offer me as an entrepreneur. I have a question, sorry to interrupt you, but we've been working in AI for, call it close to seven and a half years, and we constantly have people in the AI space uh, on the show I guess my question to you is, why haven't you? ChatGPT has been around for a year that if your competitors bit you to this, why haven't you jumped in? Is it because it sounds so big? Is it because you don't have the time, energy, or people? I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, you could probably do a whole show about that, and we would just get into the pains of growing a startup, and we just started, we were bootstrapped for the first five years. So we coming from the bootstrap world, you got to be very selective about what you do. So that half of our brain is always firing on level 10 of be very selective. We raised a seed round in 2019, series A in 2020 and a big series B in 2021. So the honest answer is just we're doing so many things at once that it's hard to visit. This is straight up just an excuse. This it we should do it and we will. It's one of those just, look, businesses 
chaotic and there's a million things going on at once and no one has led the charge and said, this can't just be words anymore. We got to go make this happen. So, yeah. I appreciate that honesty and that transparency. And look, founder to founder, three-time founder, bootstrap, done that whole thing. But the opportunities here, like that, there's always tons of things to do. Just nibble at this. You know how important it is. You need, it's like the new year. This should be a pledge from you to get it because it's not as hard as you think it is. Trust me as an entrepreneur, there's tons of things always that are going to be here. We've never had something as exciting as this and an opportunity with very little investment to have the kind of things so that you can blow out the survey monkeys and the Shopify's by just focusing. That's the beauty of being agile and smaller as well. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox, but I see like the opportunity for you and it's, you should be doing this. Have me back in six to 12 months and we'll have something up. That's a, that's a commitment. Love to have you back. As Howard pumps us all up to use the AI, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer on it for a second here as well. This is a great segue, right? Whereas if you're building and experimenting with right now, data quality and availability is actually one of the most important things when building out these tools. And I'll pose this both to you because Microsoft just got called to task in the last couple of weeks because it was found out through some unofficially recorded executive calls that they were having internally. Last year, they were manipulating the hallucinations that were happening in ChatGPT, OpenAI, which they are an active investor in, $10 billion investment. And they were doing that to then showcase how they could use that is a broad scale as opposed to focused security tool, a broad generative AI security tool for the United States government. And they were showing this. Now, they were not trying to sell them and sign a contract to be fair to them at this point, but they were discovering these hallucinations. So they just said internally, hey, can't, can't, let's just change it. Let's get rid of those hallucinations because the data isn't giving us the consistent result we need to show. They have since corrected. They've done what they do and they've done it well in their defense today in 2024. That is that they are on the right track and anything they're bringing commercially to market, they are they are doing it above, above reproach and all that. I just give that story though, as it just came out, this feature of Reuters and elsewhere, that in the pressure to use AI, People are not getting their data quality and availability quite right. The temptation to ignore a hallucination or manipulate an algorithm just to force a result is very real and very much there. So as pioneers, as the three of us, as people that are building these in the world, there, there's a responsibility here to very much be authentic of where these models are going wrong, where we're getting poor, inaccurate, sparse data, we're getting incomplete insights, and saying, hey, that's incomplete, and here's what it is, the way we go. Because even a SAM card, tens of thousands of customers could build you an algorithm today that will force and look like it's doing it. But all the trust you've built since 2014 online can be gone in one business quarter by using these fast, rapid models that do not support it with accurate, consistent, cited outcomes. And that's just, it's just one of those 
critical conversations we all need to have in light of all the excitement that it's going to go do, the importance of data quality, the importance of availability. And to Howard, like we we relentless at that kind of view internally. But you know, as you're pioneering going forwards, I'd love to see how you're thinking about that data quality as well. Yeah, I think it's going to come back to what we talked about before and that transparency, sharing, teaching, all of those things are what work today. And I think that's what's going to have to work then. We could crunch all of our numbers and everyone logs in tomorrow into their SAM card account. And I just, we say, look, our AI model is declaring that the best price point for the first offer you make to a new customer needs to be between $50 and $100. And, and hypothetically, that could be true. But me as the entrepreneur, if someone told me that, the first thing I would ask is, okay, wh- which customer's data did you plug into that formula to tell me that's the answer? What markets are they in? How large are these businesses? Like, I would want to know all those things in order to trust it because I would worry that we're cherry picking data to say certain things. And I think it's going to be on us to get ahead of that and show people on any information we spit back to them. Here's how we got it. Here's the way that we looked at this data or how we came up with these numbers in order for them to trust us. Even then, it still might not be enough. They still have to trust us that we're telling the truth in how we actually did it. So if there is a way to not only be transparent about how we're coming up with these kind of end results or suggestions, but then prove it, that's the approach I think we would need to take. And Howard, as I said, I know it's near and dear to you. And I think of, again, that data, that integrity. And I think to Brian's point, a future state where is shared ecosystems, shared algorithms, shared insight, because there is so much data. And it's not just the data within the company, it's the data outside of the company that is driving that insight. I know you have a really good vision for where that's going. I'd love for you to share that a little bit. What was it, Brian's considering building this and going down this path, but also a little bit of, of how we're dealing with that? Yeah, I'd say, look, if you don't build a business on core values, and if you're, one of your core values is not integrity and transparency, this probably is an important conversation for you. We started one of the previous conversations talking about sharing best practices. Well, best practices aren't generalized best practices. They're based on cohorts and specific audiences. And data, if you generalize it, if you're not careful, you can get insights that provide you the answers that you want to provide, right? That's polling, right? That's what you do. You ask certain questions to get the answers you want. It is paramount that when you go through an exercise, whether it's a data exercise or even how you query a system, that your own biases aren't leading the witness, so to speak. And so constantly testing and measuring the outcomes is critical as well as citing the sources. I think it's critical to cite sources. And as we build our revenue GPT product, you always have the core sources that the LLM is pulling off. So you're not just getting, hey, we're generalizing this information. Here is the source that's being cited. And so what is working isn't a general answer. It's what is working for this specific cohort in this specific segment with this sort of technology, with this many users. So it needs to be very specific. Otherwise, you'll get 
inaccurate information, or even worse, it could be manipulated. You think about AI, you better think about ethical AI, you better think about accuracy, because it's dependent. The minute you lose that credibility, that trust, you've lost your customers and you're not going to get them back. How many shots do you get? One. It's the original one. You either have trust or you don't. And Brian, I think of what you espoused to us, what I learned so much in these last couple of sessions, right? The way in which Sam Carr, you've been, you share all these best practices. You're sharing the trends. You're sharing the signals like Facebook did, which is why I brought it up. You're doing all those right steps. Man, it's going to be an exciting 2024 as these now AI and generative technologies take it to the next level, which automates that, hyper-personalizes that. If, if you could take even a thousand of your tens of thousands of customers, these fledgling entrepreneurs with under a million bucks, and you could get them to 5 million, that's real job gains. It's not just financial gains for them. They're going to build teams. They're going to want to go build their own generative AI models behind it. I'd imagine if the industry was co-publishing and enabling those to be front and center, because at the end of the day, isn't building a company, if you're wired to build a company, actually about helping others have success and have jobs and have careers? I, I know there's economics with it, but that's the heartbeat of an entrepreneur, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I could not have said it any better. Brian, I have loved having you on with us, but as always, we are quickly running out of time, unfortunately. So I'm going to shift us to a final couple words here. I'm going to start off with our trivia and then get final thoughts from both of you on AI. So pencil the AI question coming up following this. But Brian, is from last night. We love a little bit of fun. We love a little bit of trivia. We love to get our audience guessing as well. So I got a question for you. What percentage of commercial leaders at B2C companies today expect to utilize generative AI solutions, quote, often over the next two years in marketing and sales? 30%, 50 70 or 90 Probably get the same answer you last time. It's pr- I would think it's either 70 or 90 I'll actually guess this time and say 70 70 You are so close. But according to McKinsey and Company and their recent articles on marketing and sales soar with generative AI, so McKinsey and Company publication here, they are now actually predicting that 90% of commercial leaders will frequently use generative AI marketing and sales over the next two years in B2C. Like it is, to, to Howard's point, it's not if, it's not when, it is. It is here right now. And I know we're all monkeying around. People are playing with their prompts at home and they're doing schoolwork and all of this other stuff, which is awesome. But for everybody to pilot and challenge and and move ahead, I think it's a world of opportunity for us there. It's a great job on this. Final thought from you both. As you think of generative AI, you think of how fast this industry is moving, which you said at the beginning, Brian, that we would agree with. What is something you'd love to learn what is something that you would love to encourage your peers to learn relative to AI? Brian, I'll throw it to you first, if that's okay. Yeah, I guess for me, what's going through my head is already trying to build out some sort of game plan for us to take action on it as a business. 
And if we go back to the question of kind of what's held us back outside of all the other distractions of running and trying to grow a business, especially one that just took on a bunch of money, it's it's not really something I would like to learn. I guess first thing on my priority list is start to build a network and meet folks that are in this space doing things. I think that's, if you ask me today, what's the first thing you're going to go do to go execute on this? I actually don't know who I would call. I have one or two buddies who have played around with this deeper than just writing prompts and using it to streamline certain things. But as far as really going deep, there's not many people that I know of that, Hey, I'm going to pick up the phone and this is the, you know, guy I'm going to either talk to or get advice from or hire directly. That's top of to-do list for me. As far as everyone else, any entrepreneurs that we talk to, big or small in our user base, my number one piece of advice right now, and if I should tweak this, you guys probably know more about it than I do. Maybe I should give them different advice, but it's just to stay on top of it, to not write this off. Don't wait. I think most people wait until it gets mainstream. They just assume once I start hearing about it all the time, then I know it'll be important is to try to convince them to buy in now that it is going to be important and you taking action now, even just staying on the pulse a little bit could be a massive advantage for you. So yeah, that that's what I got. You can call us anytime. We may not, we certainly don't have all the answers, Ryan, by any stretch of the imagination, but we are relentless at pioneering, experimenting, and building. So, you know, we plenty of mistakes and learnings along the way. But, Howard, final word? What I'd like to learn is six additional ways that we can use generative AI to help our customers this year and make sure we implement and deliver on that. I love it. I love it. Listen, Brian, Howard, I can go on all day on this topic, but unfortunately we are out of time. And Brian, co-founder and chief strategy officer, Sam Cart, you guys are on a tear, tens of thousands of customers, huge transparency. Again, you're sharing out, please keep it up. I think it's exactly what we need in the market set you're in and you're changing the landscape of commerce. Thank you for that. And thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. And if you guys want to learn from somebody else's mistakes as well as what's what's working, check out Sam Cart. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Brian. Yeah. No problem. Everybody listening in, please remember to like and subscribe the podcast. Send Howard and I in your questions via the phone line, email, or any other method, LinkedIn. We will read them and we will attempt to get to them on a future episode. Thanks everybody. Bye-bye.